look at the havoc that they've wreaked in Kosovo. I mean, we could say we lost very few people. Of course, we had airplanes 75,000 feet up in the air dropping bombs. But look at what we've done to that land and to those people and the deaths that we've caused. I don't know if they consider that a success because I can't consider it a you success. Don't. They bombed the hell out of a country, out of a whole area. Everyone's fleeing in every different way and nobody knows what's happening and the deaths are going on by the, by the thousands. Hello everyone, that was President Donald Trump back in 1999 talking about the United States intervention into Kosovo and Serbia. And it's that conflict and the wider disintegration of Yugoslavia that I'm going to be asking Adam Fitzgerald about today. And in keeping with the nature of this series, I'm going to be asking Adam about the relevance of this conflict to the rise of Islamic terrorism and ultimately how it contributed to the 9-11 attacks. The Kosovo War uh, was basically a conflict in Kosovo, uh, which lasted, of course, not long. It was from February 98 to June 99. Um, the participants in the war consisted of the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, backed by um, Slobodan Milosevic, uh, which controlled Kosovo uh, before the war, and the Kosovo Albanian rebel group uh, known as the Kosovo Liberation Army, the KLA, which I'll say for short. Um, the KLA was basically um, just an ethnic Albanian nationalist paramilitary organization uh, that sought the separation of Kosovo. Uh, but the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, which I'm going to uh, say fry for short, um, which was established in 92 and led by Slobodan Milosevic. Now, Milosevic's rise to power as Serbian president after um, supporters of his claimed the need to reform the constitution of Yugoslavia due to the mar marginalization of Serbia and its political incapacity to deter the Albanian separatists' unrest in, in the Serbian province of Kosovo. Milosevic endorsed the um, Serbian nationalist agenda and this gave way to the, an the rising animosity between Serbs and, Al and Albanians in Kosovo, which only deepened during uh, the 1990s. Now, ethnic Albanians opposed ethnic Serbs and the government of Yugoslavia. So the fighting between the KLA and Serb forces would commence in uh, 1998. Every member, every member of NATO, every member of the European Union and most of Yugoslavia's neighbors supported military intervention because the war uh, wasn't incremental by any means. It was ex it, it was almost immediately, you know, the, you had slaughters and mass uh, executions of the civilians. Right, and this is what stands out in both the Kosovo and the Bosnian War. Um, now, the United States and Great Britain also supported military intervention. And in 1998, by the way, uh, then U.S. President Bill Clinton actually declared a, a national uh, emergency, a state of emergency due to the um, the unusual and <laughs> extraordinary threat to national security regarding uh, you, the, uh, the, impo uh, the the war of Yugoslavia and the Serb and Serbia. Now, the KLA has admitted its uh, longstanding links with um, American and European intelligence organizations. It came out that um, the KLA officials are claimed to have met with British and American as well as um, Swiss agents uh, in Northern Albania, even as far back as uh, 1996, before the, even the war commenced. 
Now, the CIA had given aid to the KLA. Uh, it, it came out reports many years later. The agents began developing ties with the KLA, which also um, implemented Mujahideen fighters, uh, which was against the, the nationalist regime of Slodin and Milosevic. And, and the CIA actually was giving military training uh, manuals and field advice on fighting the Yugoslav army and the Serbian police. Um, for example, um, I hope I, I'm saying his name, really, Florin uh, Krasnicki, uh, who is actually a native New Yorker like me, uh, was one of the biggest uh, KLA uh, financiers. And he was a gun runner. Uh, he described how he implemented sniper rifles, which were exported from America using a loophole in uh, federal law that allowed them to be shipped as hunting clubs under hunting clubs uh, in, in Yugoslavia. And it gave, this gave a valuable assistance to the Serb minority. Hi everyone, just a quick interjection. Adam misspoke. He meant to say that the rifles provided valuable assistance to the Kosovo Liberation Army, not the Serb minority. And he goes on now to speak about how the Serbs were in peace talks with the UN at the time. Um, who, by the way, were under um, uh, peace talks uh, with NATO, but it failed. And the bombing of Yugoslavian targets um, uh, continued by NATO in hopes of a full retreat from Kosovo. And, but in 1999, uh, Milosevic accepted uh, a terms of like this international peace plan to end the fighting. And thus NATO peacekeeping units entered Kosovo along with um, Norwegian Special Forces and the British Special Air Service, I think I'm saying that correctly, or the SAS, um, and estimated uh, 800,000 Kosovo Albanians fled, but they found like 10 to 15,000 um, people were killed in these dozens of mass graves, which they're still finding, by the way, uh, to the current day. Um, but I mean, at this point, you know, the Badi war was fought, um, under like, due to like the Serbs and Croats living in Bosnia who wanted to annex from Bosnian territory. So when it comes to um, these uh, interference with these agencies and funding these Mujahideen fires, I mean, it was, it was obvious right from the get-go what they wanted to do. And what they wanted to do was to uh, destroy the nationalist uh, regime of Slobodan Milosevic, but for whatever reason, because the United States themselves didn't have any um, overall uh, uh, goal or plan for the region itself. So it remains really a question to this day, but what they really, the only um, agenda they had was to destroy the, uh, the nationalist regimes of Yugoslavia. And, but in terms, because of their, their so-called uh, human uh, rights uh, violations, well, I mean, the KLA was slaughtering people wholesale over there, including women and children and the elderly. And, and, and the, the, the way they were doing it, I mean, beheadings, neck cuttings, um, wholesale. I mean, uh, there's one video that's out there. It's called the Dagestan Massacre. It's a, it's a horrible video. And that video was um, sold in tapes in these small shops in, in Dagestan. And, you know, you could see what they were doing. But that was backed by the CIA. And... Um, British SAS. So to say that um, they were uh, giving uh, military aid and funding in hopes of repelling these uh, the uh, immoral nationalist uh, regime of Yugoslavia under Milosevic. Well, that's that's funny because the KLA was committing, and the British Badi regime were committing atrocious acts themselves. Yeah. So I've I've read different. 
theories on this that it was an agenda to what's become known as balkanize the country to break Yugoslavia into these little statelets that wouldn't be able to resist US imperialism then and the US would be able to get access to the natural resources and have a subservient working class to put into factories in the country by demolishing their own factories of bombing campaigns. Um, I've also heard ideas that it, the bombing campaign was about preserving the reputation of NATO because NATO really what was it post the Cold War, there were questions about that, and if we could find a new purpose in the world, a purpose around humanitarian intervention, then it would have a justification for its continued existence. Um, I've also had a lot of criticism of the NATO involvement, that they ended up cluster bombing more people to death than were actually killed in the war yeah. itself. Um, and of course, like humanitarian explanations don't really wash when it comes to foreign policy. So that's clearly not true what exactly was going on what exactly the motivations were it's hard to speak to but perhaps you could speak specifically to the role of um of the foreign mujahideen in there because i think it's formative because it's when you first see certain actors come onto the scene who will later be involved in things like the 9-11 attacks right well i mean after well that that would involve with the bosnian mujahideen Itself. And the Badi Mujahideen was um, uh, set up to, in, a, in a way where they were going to repel um, uh, the, the armies and the nationalist armies headed by uh, Slobodan Milosevic himself. Um, but the Badi Muslims were facing persecution, uh, obvious under Milosevic himself. And long-standing it's, I mean, enough itself. I mean, Milosevic um, was under the, the guise that that he he was he was fearing uh, the the popular the popular Islamic uh, minority, which would integrate with um, uh, Yugoslavia itself. And what he didn't want because he was such a staunch nationalist, and what he feared was that he would uh, that they would it would become a Muslim country, an Islamic country itself. And that that's why it became, the persecution happened over like a, a ten year. Uh, um, a, a timeline, whereas you know, because you had Bosnian Muslims and you had um, uh, Croats and you had Yugoslav, they all were in harmony for many, many decades. Um, I mean, you could. I, I think there was a good documentary. I forgot the name of it. I'm sorry, it slipped my mind. But um, you know, it showed that it showed that the hegemony of these people uh, before the war has even started. And mm. you could see like the turning point when Milosevic and Radmo Miladic, who's a you know, a, a, a fascist. I mean, this guy's a you know, who's you know, committed to he uh, was um, uh, you know, a sadist almost. He, he was a uh, commanding general, wasn't he? he was right, right, right. Yeah, he was a commanding general. The, the, yeah, I mean, he, he, right. He was responsible for like uh, hundreds of thousands of deaths. I mean, this guy was you know, he was uh, com uh, uh, found guilty of committing international war crimes. So, but they would use the, the media. Um, which was a great propaganda tool, and holding lectures in hall, town halls in in, um, in Yugoslavia, in, in Bosnia. And it was spreading the fear that, you know, that the Muslims were going to try and uh, uh, implement our shops into the classrooms, into the universities, into everyday way of life. And you had these long-standing relationships slowly turning, because you had Muslim families that were coming out later saying that um, – that their, their neighbors, these uh, Yugoslavs and Croats, uh, for example, were turning against them. 
and mm. they were turning again. And it happened over time. It didn't happen right away, but it happened over time. And so when uh, Milosevic started to um, implement these these uh, uh, fascist ideals within the public, they started uh, slowly but surely opening up um, uh, camps where they would put Muslim populations and families in. First, it was just the men. And the women and the children would be left alone. But after a while, they were rounding up these people in schools, I mean, um, in uh, parks, <coughs> excuse me, um, in, in like open warehouses. They were slaughtering these people. I mean, by the busload. I mean, you can see it on, on YouTube uh, videos for, for yourself. Um, wholesale uh, slaughters uh, committed by, uh, under, the, under the guides of Rado Balanik and Cardage, Casper uh, Cardage, who was, um, uh, a, 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 a Serbian politician, these people were given the okay to the military themselves, the Yugoslav and Serbian military, to commit these heinous acts. And that in itself caught the attention of NATO, but the United States uh, didn't implement their interference right away. And this was a big reason why um, the Bazi Mujahideen, and, and, and oh, oh, by the way, it was, it was also echoed by the sentiments of Osama bin Laden years later, that the United States had their chance to interfere for the, uh, the safeguard for the Muslim community, and they didn't. And it wasn't until much, much too late. And according to NATO, which was uh, NATO at this point, um, uh, when it comes to the Bosnian and, and Kosovo wars, were useless. I mean, almost useless at the very beginning because they didn't interfere. Yeah, with the, the most uh, generous interpretation right. of is they unintentionally made things worse. Right. In That's fact, the most generous. Yeah. In fact, uh, there's even video where, um, and, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm terrible with names, but when it comes to the NATO, the Swede, when it comes to Sweden, NATO, the military commander was Swedish. I forgot his name. He has a, he's a, mustache, a, a white mustache. And he actually is meeting with Milosevic. And Milosevic, <laughs> because NATO bombs the, um, I think, the Yuga, Yugoslavian parliament, whatever, and they meet Milosevic and the this, this Swedish uh, general for NATO. And Milosevic actually, you know, in, in this aggressive tone, tells him, who are you to bomb my parliament, right? And meanwhile, NATO is backed by the United States, supposedly, right? NATO is apologizing for the bombing itself. So I said, well, here, here you go. I mean, here's, here's Milosevic, who doesn't respect any type of uh, organization whatsoever on behalf of the Serbian Croat Muslims themselves. And he's, and he's openly defiant uh, toward the United States because I think he knows that they're not going to interfere on behalf of Muslims. And he's, he knows that NATO is utterly useless at this point without the backing of, you know, the coalition partners of British, Great Britain, France, uh, Germany, and the United States. But he knows. I mean, well, how would he know that? Because he knows the United States is not going to back on behalf of the Muslim populations regarding the the Serbs and um, the Croat Muslims themselves. And, you know, here you have it. NATO NATO actually leaves the country, right? They leave the, the, um, the, uh, the capital. And what happens right away? Milosevic gives out candy to the children, says, don't worry, we'll treat you right. We'll get you out of the country if you want to leave. What happens? They put them on the buses. They go to these, like I said, the open warehouses, and they slaughter them wholesale using machine guns. I'm sorry, not Gatling guns. Using um, automatic fire. And they're, I mean, they're just like, off the buses they go, they go right into these mass pits already made. And you can see, and, so, and YouTube, I don't know how they're up. You can see them being slaughtered. I mean, just, uh, just amazing 
amounts of like what, the most egregious human rights violations I've ever seen, and I've I've, I've been all over the map, happened during Bos during the Kosovo and Bosnia wars. It's just absolutely re reprehensible what happened there, and and the United States did not interfere until it was much much too late, and this this reverberated this this reverberated throughout the the pan Arabist world, if you will. And many saw this. And that's where the real invigoration, if you want, the real hatred began for the United States. Look, if they won't, they had, because if the United States actually interfered, if they actually you know, uh, ex expelled Milosevic right away, if they just um, used their military, which they could have under Clinton, they could have, they should have. This, uh, the backlash would not have been, I'd say, I, I would. I mean, this is a big assumption on my part, but I don't think Bin Laden would have bombed the embassies in '98. I don't think 9/11 um, would have happened. I don't know. That's a big assumption on my part, but I think that the Muslim world itself would have used the the the, 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 um, the Israeli United States partnership as the reason anyway. I think that was the big reason anyway. But I think the backlash would have been less uh, obvious when it comes to the um, uh, threat of Islamic extremism. But um, yeah, I mean, but you know, that's like I said, it's a big assumption. Well, I think 9/11 would happen anyway because look, when when it came to like the 93 bombing, for example, the World Trade Center bombing and 9/11, the main underlying reason and Ramsey Yusuf was behind 93 bombing. Said it himself. He said the reason why for the 93 bombing was simple. It was because of the, the United States backing Israel and because of the persecution of Palestinians. And but when it's when it's regarding to um, helping um, humanitarian aid with the Bosnian and the Croatian Muslims, this would have helped alleviate the problem. But um, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I think 9/11 would have happened anyway regarding that. So I, I think I'm wrong on that issue. Okay, so what shape does this leave um, Al-Qaeda in, like coming out of the Kosovo war, having this kind of basis in Europe now and changing the landscape of um, Bosnia? Uh, well, when the war happened, actually, uh, the, the, the rise of militant Islamic extremism took hold because of the Bosnian Mujahideen. And because the Bosnian Mujahideen was being backed by the intelligence apparatus of the CIA um, helping them propel uh, the nationalist uh, government of Milosevic, we started noticing these Mujahideen fighters coming from Afghanistan because they wanted the, the continuation of defensive jihad, you know. So they, they started, instead of going back home where they wanted to, many did, but a lot of them went to the to the wars in Kosovo and Chechnya and Bosnia. So in the hopes of this new defensive job, which was propagated by Abdul Azam, the never ending war mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. Islam, right? So what you had was these Afghan Mujahideen fighters transferring over to Chechnya, transferring over to Bosnia, transferring over to um, Yugoslavia, uh, Bosnia itself. So this perpetual state of war uh, the, the persecution of the Muslims themselves, um, which was being uh, felt by the nationalist regimes um, and the CIA knew this. So they started uh, continually starting uh, funding these Bosnian Mujahideen led by um, 
the Afghan Mujahideen fighters who are now in charge of the project. But you started noticing the first um, uh, linkage of 9-11, if you will, because Khalid Sheikh, I mean, um, Khalid al-Midar and Nawaf al-Hamzi participated in the, um, the, the Bosnia-Kosovo War. Okay, just they explain start, Just explain who they are, because people won't be familiar with the hijackers' names. So. Oh, okay. So, well, Khalid al-Minar and Nawaf al-Hamzi were the, the first two uh, 9-11 hijackers that uh, uh, came inside the United States and they came in the year 2000. They took part in the 9-11 operation, and they were involved in, um, Amer- in the hijacking of American Airlines Flight 77. Um, but, but before that, they were involved in the, um, the with the Bati Mujahideen um, fighters in, 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 uh, against the Yugoslav uh, army. So what I'm trying to say is that while doing these series, we're going to link all these series with 9-11 itself. But this was the first, the first uh, uh, vision, uh, visual, if you will, of where these um, Mujahideen fighters uh, slowly started integrating with um, the effects of 9-11 itself. However, since the Bazi Mujim was also suffering heavy casualties because they were just guerrillas, I mean, they didn't have like the organizational mm. structure of say the Yugoslav army, if, if you know, the Yugoslav army was still a formidable presence. But the, the Mujahideen itself, you could see starting um, having an influence with say the, u- the youth of like Serbia or uh, uh, Croatia or Yugoslavia, if you will, because they sympathized with them, because the nationalist governments themselves were too oppressive to the people themselves. I mean, it was just, it, you know, this is no defense to people like Milosevic, but I mean, there's no, there's no like real clean, who has cleaner hands, if you will. Mm. There's no cleaner side, um, but it helps perpetuate the problem. Why these Islamic militants um, rise in power, if you will, uh, in, in these countries, and it's because of the repressive regimes of these countries. But it's like, pick your poison. Do you want to die by uh, hanging or do you want to die by poison? What was the bigger problem at the time? Was it because of, was it Milosevic? Was it, uh, say, the Soviet Union? Was it, say, uh, the nationalist governments of Lebanon or Syria? Or was it because of these Islamic militants that grew in part, in opposition to the governments, which was which we're current day, we're still fighting today. What was the bigger problem? Well, I would say, if you will, um, um, the problems that we faced with these nationalist regimes didn't have any problems toward U.S. or U.K. interests. I mean, you don't see like uh, Yugoslavia or Iraq invading Great Britain or uh, United States. What did we see? Islamic militancy having a problem with um, uh, the United States and Great Britain, even to the current day. Sure, it, it, they're not a threat. Nationalist governments abroad were not a threat to the people of the United States or Great Britain. Right, but okay, they but were, but, I, I do, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to interject, but, I, but they were a threat to the, um, say, uh, the oil industry, if you will. Exactly, because yeah. They wanted independency, if you will, because that's why they were fighting, you know, t- with Tajikistan and Asperstan, they were fighting for independency. But what the United States didn't want was Soviet uh, influence, um, uh, having any type of influence with it, say, the Ca- because the Caspian Sea was, of course, the biggest goal. But what, they, what the, the oil industry wanted was their influence, their influence in these governments to keep going. 
But the, of course, this was a temporary position because a lot of these countries were going to fight for independence anyway, and they didn't want the United States influence, uh, influencing them, the people anyway. They wanted to remain, that's why they wanted to remain independent. But of course, this was going against the, the wishes of the, um, the oil companies or the corporations of the oil BP. Sure. And um, that, of course. That's when you start again to the deeper question of right. the, the blowback on the populations of the US and Great Britain. Is it that intelligence agencies, governments find a certain level of civilian casualties in their own country acceptable as a part of these, as a part of the use of extremists in foreign policy goals? Right. I, well, look, at, at, when Milosevic was defeated, I mean, he, and he was set up to fail anyway. He tried, he actually turned down a, um, a NATO uh, agreement where that they were going to, they, they had, he had to, his army had to um, actually retreat, full retreat out of Serbia whatsoever. But he didn't want that. And NATO out, set out up. Kosovo. Right, I'm sorry, uh, yeah. Kosovo. What, what, but, but he didn't want that. But he was set up to fail. And because of this, um, he actually pushed forward, even ext more extreme, actually pushed forward. And he was, and he was I mean, NATO then became a, a huge bombing campaign, which destroyed uh, most of Milosevic's Yugoslavian army. And this involved a, a coalition of the United States, Great Britain, uh, Germany, and they decimated the, the, the army. But they knew this. I mean, NATO knew this. That's why they presented this untenable agreement that they knew. Yeah, that I think the, the part I've heard is untenable is it would have meant that um, NATO forces would have had access to any part of Serbia. So right, they, right, which, right. Ross, which wouldn't have accepted that condition. They, so. Right, exactly right, because they knew Molosa, and they knew well beforehand that he would not accept this, in hopes of him actually ex not accepting agreement only, but to also expend his forces and 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 and, and, and you know come come aggressively, because he actually underestimated uh, NATO to begin with anyway. But when NATO became, I mean, the full weight behind the coalition uh, armies of the United States, Great Britain, I mean, they just decimated um, the, uh, the Yugoslavia army anyway. And he had to, like, even until then, Milosevic even said that um, he was very um, remittent and almost hesitant to sign the second agreement, right? So this guy almost is reminding me of, like, when Japan was bombed after uh, Nag uh, not Nag uh, after Nagasaki, right after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan almost was hesitant to still sign the, the, the peace agreement and in, in order to surrender. Milosevic was still like still sitting, and this is because of his arrogance. I mean, he's an he was an arrogant individual, but he accepted the terms for peace and ended the uh, the, the plans for Greater Serbia, right? But it was under the orders of Bill Clinton that the terms had to be final. Right, and all Serb forces must withdraw from Kosovo. The Kosovo refugees also had most of them, by the way, were ethnic Albanians. Also had to, to be given safe passage and free return to their homes, as well as all military, all police, all paramilitary forces to a to, to, from Yugoslavia to a buffer zone in Serbia. Um, now there were also, of course, there were financial penalties afforded to the Yugoslavian government which would assist Albanian Muslim families who fled because of rapes and massacres by these, you know, the Yugoslavian military. Now, 
Look, I mean, the Serbian leader, Milosevic himself, except in NATO's terms, a day after they were presented by the Russian uh, envoy, uh, I believe his name is really long, uh, Victor Chefno-Meridian, I think his name was, and, and the Finnish president, uh, Marty Atasari, uh, during the talks in Belgrade. Um, now, when, you know, they presented this deal, the goal was to halt, by the way, was to halt the continued oppression of the ethnic Albanians. Also, this, this agreement also had to the disbandment of the KLA. And the KLA, which was also the Bati Mujahideen, they had to, uh, to separate, uh, to liquidate these campaigns. And NATO was worried about that because they thought that the Bati Mujahideen would actually continue because he knew. I mean, you know, everyone knew that the, the continued death of Jihad, they were going to continue anyway. But the KLA disbanded. And they were, to their surprise, they disbanded anyway. And the, 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 um, it was because of their final act of defiance that NATO, uh, the defiance of Milosevic, that NATO began that bombing campaign, which he underestimated and it decimated the Yugoslavian army. But um, but there you go, and and this this led to the um, the uh, the Dayton Peace Accords, uh, which was the agreement that was the name of the agreement, Dayton Peace. But um, I mean, Belozovic, um was arrested uh, a couple of years afterwards. M Melodic actually fled. He actually fled for I think it was ten, eleven years. He actually was found. They arrested him. He was tried. They were both found guilty, along with uh, Karadzic, Belozovic, They were all found guilty of. International Karzik ended up um, right. being working as a healer in Belgrade for years, right? That that's quite an amazing right. story. <laughs> you know, and that just led that just leads you to believe that these guys, you know, uh, were so I don't know, I, I don't know between all three, they were just so like so sure of themselves that they were going to because Milosevic even says that they don't care, they did like the United States didn't really care about the Muslim population, and that's why he had that that that. Um, Agree uh, that uh, that meeting with with NATO in in uh, in the Yugoslavia, what was left of the Yugoslavia Parliament, and you know he was defiant even then, even if before the um, International War Crimes Tribunal, he was defiant even then. He, you know he says that um, I was doing the world a favor. I mean, echoing the sentiments of him, right? So, so I, I just I don't get it with these people like Melodic and because Melodic is fascinating to the field. Here's a guy. Who like committed the worst atrocities? Yeah, he because he participated in them. He personally participated in like yeah. uh, in these massive ex executions, and some of them are so heinous. And just like it leads you to believe that these guys were just sociopathic sadists that they didn't care. But that's what nationalist ideals do, right? But, uh, but on the other hand, would you rather have these nationalist ideals? Which wasn't an existential threat, or the or the this, this existential threat of of um, defense of jihad or the Salafist, um, um, op, you know, ideals, which were an existential threat that became so so to speak. But on the other hand, the United States CIA was behind that. So I mean, but it just goes to show you that um, when it comes to picking and choosing uh, who is the bigger enemy to the world. Um, I would uh, suffice to say that um, that it's the, the Islamic militancy, which was the biggest threat, and it still is to this very day, than these national governments ever will.
Okay, um, thank you very much for that, Adam. Sure. We'll conclude this one there, and we're going to pick up next time. We were going to go to World Trade Center 93, but I think we're going to make a detour to the first Gulf War. Um, okay. Timely, as George Bush Sr. has just passed away. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, initially I didn't think to do that, but I think it is highly relevant because of the effect, um, the effect of the sanctions as something that, well, the war itself and the effect of these sanctions then on Iraq as something that angers the Muslim world and fuels the fires that, that lead to the, the terrorism then. So that's where we'll go next time and talk through that. And thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you.